You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Auburn is not a place, it is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Toomer's Oak Trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to Auburn Roots, our journey of exploring and sharing the stories of your Auburn family members. Here we are at episode 19. We've been through 18 stories already, just sharing and learning about what it means to be an Auburn family member. And I'm sure that episode 19 is going to help us broaden our horizon about what the oddity is that is being an Auburn family member. It's unique, it's special, and it's one of a kind. And I'm sure that my guest today on episode 19 is going to make sure to do justice with all the great other guests that we've had here thus far. So let me introduce, without any further ado, my next guest, Miss Kim Trimble. Kim, War Eagle, and welcome. Thanks, Kyle. War Eagle. You and I have a, uh, a connection in terms of how we met. I think we should start at the very top here. And that's talk about Miss D. Ford. I mean, how do you not be an Auburn fan these days and not talk about D. Ford? And I know this is your story, Kim, but we got to talk about the D. Ford thing and your perspective of it. Oh, it wouldn't be my story without D. Ford. She's just an amazing person, and uh, her story is is just incredible. And every time I find someone that doesn't know about it, I enjoy telling them and then just telling how great she is and how I'm so thankful to be her friend and part of her Auburn family. It, it's a very interesting way to, you know, become an Auburn fan. And if you want to go back and listen to that, listeners, episode one is where this all started. And we've had actually several uh, guests that have had a connection, uh, either meeting D on game day or previously. And you can find several of those throughout Auburn roots. Another one, for example, would be number two, episode two, Jeremy Henderson as well. Uh, but a lot of us met each other through D Ford. And I think Kim, the first time you and I possibly met each other officially and like actually shook hands before coronavirus <laughs> was uh, at a, a house party that she had after a, a game day, I believe. Is, is that the first time we actually met? Was it the one where she came in for the summer when she came in for Clint and uh, Autumn's wedding? Yes, that's what it was. Summer. That is yeah, why yeah. I, it wasn't a game. Well, hey, you know, look, an Auburn wedding might as well be a game day, right? I exactly. Mean, yeah, hey, yeah. No, no fall weddings. 
Exactly. Fall Saturdays. Well, I wish my cousin would listen to me on that uh, <laughs> this last weekend, but that's not, neither here nor there. So we'll stop digressing <laughs> from that point. Um, but it was great to see all of us come together and uh, obviously get to connect uh, within our Auburn fandom, but around D Ford. And I'm thankful, obviously, for her and her story, but I'm also thankful for the people that she has allowed me to learn about and now get to uh, continue growing in a friendship with. And I've, I've seen Kim and met Kim at, uh, you know, Tiger Walks and, and things like that around campus. Uh, she is an avid Auburn Tigers fan, and I'm interested to talk a lot about that with her uh, and hear some of her story here. But before we actually talk about your Auburn story, we need to know a little bit about Kim outside of Auburn and kind of, you know, if you could sit down on a couch is the way I always describe it and to give me like a very short nutshell of who you are where you're from, anything that we need to know about Kim outside of Auburn, what would you share with us? Uh, you know, in a nutshell, sort of a large nutshell, if you will, uh, born, born in Mississippi uh, the day after Hurricane Camille, so brought on by barometric pressure. Uh, lived there for a few years, then moved to Texas. And when I was six, we moved to Singapore. My father was in the oil business, and uh, I grew up overseas and came home during the summers and uh, went back and moved back here uh, after my senior year, uh, high school, college and everything, lived in Mississippi, South Mississippi, and um, was law in law enforcement for a long time. I was a uh, sheriff's deputy and then a, a sheriff's investigator. And uh, I worked with the DA's office and all. And uh, when Katrina came through in 2005, uh, I ended up moving to Alabama to be with my uh, husband and uh, his family was up here so we moved to Alabama and um, I've been here ever since. Uh, lived in Alabaster for a while and when my husband passed away ended up moving to Lake Mitchell where my parents had a home. My father had died uh, a few months after my husband and my mom was here alone and she's got pretty much a giant house uh, with two separate areas that to live in and she said why don't you just move in with me and I've been here ever since. Hey, that sounds like a pretty sweet deal there. I would take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> the, the rent's good. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've been very well traveled. Uh, we talk about Mississippi, Texas, and then you make this giant leap over to Singapore. I had no clue that Singapore came somewhere into your story. So oh, yeah. tell me a little bit about that, actually. Like, you know, someone who was born and raised in the United States and spent most of their life there, but you go overseas. Give us a little bit of perspective about that. Um, I highly recommend if you are ever in a position where you can travel overseas, live overseas, take a job or go to school overseas, do it. It will give your life a dimension that uh, is, there's no, none of money to ever pay for it. Um, I moved over there when I was a kid. So I started school there. Uh, American school, big American community in Singapore. We had our own football league. Uh, my dad actually played uh, college and pro ball and so he was active in the football thing over there as a coach and a ref and I was a we called them water girls back then but I guess that's uh, they have a different name now and I also did um, statistics which is weird because I'm terrible at math but I guess since I was the coach's <laughs> daughter I somehow got that job but um, it was fantastic we traveled a lot um, we would come home usually once a year um, for summer or maybe once in a while for Christmas when my mother would plan different routes going and coming where we always went to a different country. Um, and then we did a lot of vacation traveling um, over there. When you go on spring break from Singapore, we didn't, it wasn't like 
going from here to the beach, we went from like Singapore to Bali mm -hmm. or Singapore to Tokyo or something. So it was just a, a great experience. I am still friends with tons of people I grew up with over there um, this day, thanks to Facebook. And um, just love the whole culture of other countries and am fascinated with travel and um, everything else because of that. And I think it kind of makes you a, a more well-rounded person and open to new experiences. I know it definitely made me uh, more confident and more willing to do things alone as I would often have to fly by myself and just stuff like that. It's just a, a terrific experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I'd give anything to go back, but I don't know if I'll ever make it back. Yeah, that's, a, that's quite a bit of a, a haul to get back over there. So I'd imagine you've got to make a, a big trip out of it to do that. Uh, and props to you for getting on a plane for that long. I don't know how people do that. I, I'll get on a plane. I'm fine. But I really don't want to be on it that long. So the fact that you could actually sit in a plane and, and be confident about it, that to me, you're a winner in my book simply because of that. Talk about a spirit <laughs> not afraid, Auburn woman there. Uh, but uh, that is definitely not me. My spirit is very afraid. I'd rather fly than drive. And nowadays, in my younger years, I could sit there all day long. But the only way I would back now is at a minimum business class. And I think to get to Singapore business class is around 15 grand. And uh, I'm just not there. I, you know, there's not many people I think that they can get there uh, right now, especially at what's going on in the world. But hey, maybe it'll happen for you one day. And, you know, maybe someone out there is listening to your episode here might help you get out there someday. Who knows? Um, but I think it's interesting <laughs> perspectives that you might have. Uh, obviously being someone who's very, a little bit more worldly and, and had some experiences overseas, but also in the Southeast. Uh, well, if you want to call Texas the Southeast, they're not really the Southeast. They are, but they aren't. We kind of consider them part <laughs> of it. But Mississippi, I definitely uh, I want to hear perspectives on that in just a second. But why don't we start with this now that we know a little bit about your background. Where does Auburn and Kim intersect? Where does that begin? Uh Probably from when I was very young. My mother's family is from the Opelika area. My great-grandparents actually worked at the mill uh, there in Opelika. And uh, my grandmother's, my grandmother was born there. So when I was a kid and I came home to Alabama, sometimes we went down there. And, of course, Auburn was always, uh, you know, present because they were big Auburn fans. My uh, family, my mother's family here in this area were all out, mostly Alabama fans. And, then of course, my father and my grandfather both went to Ole Miss. So um, I, that was kind of, uh, I was like torn between Ole Miss and, and Auburn, but Auburn finally won out. Um, and when we lived in Singapore, we didn't have live football so much, but they would often send it on tape delay to us, uh, you know, big games. And, uh -huh. and so I, that's how I really got into football. But I guess it was 82, I think, bow over the top was when it really did it for me. I think I was 12 or so. And, um, we would get these highlight reels of hometown college football games in Singapore where we would all gather at the petroleum club to watch NFL stuff. And they kind of put it all together. And the, the bow over the top was like, finally what, you know, it, that's the, the vivid moment. I remember kind of being an Auburn person when I came home, but from then on, it was, I was orange and blue from then on. That's quite a moment to have it solidify for you. And, you know, Auburn's had great moments over the year, obviously. A lot recently, kick six, prayer and Jordan Hare, final four appearance for Auburn. We won't talk about Virginia double dribbling because I know that's a sore spot <laughs> for people. Uh, but that's an incredible moment that you look back to and say, 
I remember where I was when I watched this and the feeling that I got, not just because I'm a sports fan, not just because I'm an Auburn fan, but because I felt that connection with all those people there, even though you're just watching it, uh, you know, like you're not even there, maybe that's, that's an awesome moment. And what do you remember most about that game? Uh, really, honestly, just kind of bow over the top because it was, it was just clips at the time. But as I, as I got older and, you know, thanks to the, the internet and uh, ESPN, I was able to actually watch, just about the whole game on the classics uh when the classics came on and through youtube and stuff so i would say that and just the, the, the how exciting Bo was you know not as just in that game but in general and just the feeling of looking back at all that you know i didn't know what i was watching then i was just happy auburn you know of what happened in auburn won. but you look back now and i see it and i see all that history you know what a pivotal moment uh, for auburn that was and for Bo and and coach Do- you know everything yeah so it just I look back now and, you know, I'm, like I said, we were at the Petroleum Club, but it's not like I have a moment where I remember what I was wearing or anything like that. Uh, you know, it was just one of those, I do remember that game. And from then on, even living overseas, it was kind of hard to, to keep up with. But my grandfather would keep me uh, up to date on the Auburn scores and the, the Cubs and Yankees scores. So I kind of knew what was happening. Now, you're <laughs> not a Yankees fan, are you? Oh, man. Yeah. Don't hold that against me, though. My grandfather used to take me to Yankee Stadium when I was like 10 and 11. And, uh, uh, you know, I love it. And then, of course, just like everybody else, when we got WGN, I became a Cubs fan, too. So those are my two teams. Well, that'll wrap us up here. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, so anytime I hear the Yankees, you know, that gets a little sore spot there. Uh, Don't ask how I feel about the Falcons, either. (laughs) We probably could go all day about that type of stuff uh, if we uh, got into other things outside of of Auburn there, and I kind of opened that door for us. Um, But, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about maybe your perspectives as an Auburn person growing up. Uh, in other parts of the Southeast. And I love this type of, I ask a lot of people who are not necessarily from Alabama or even uh, maybe places close to Auburn, even in Georgia. Uh, but what was your perspective in Mississippi of Auburn? Was it any different or did you just kind of like look at it from a, a different point of view there? What's Mississippi and Auburn fan? What is that kind of like? I was surrounded by LSU and Ole Miss people. Uh, and Starkville people, which Ole Miss people, I didn't mind. Uh, you know, they're my people. And Starkville people, I don't mind them either because I have some great, uh, you know, Starkville friends. Uh, the LSU folks, though, meh, I love them, but I don't like their team. But it was weird to be an Auburn fan uh, back then, especially, you know, pre-internet and everything before you could actually, you, know, you got the paper in a physical form. You couldn't get online and read about what was happening in Auburn. Uh, I was you know, bombarded with everything that happened at State, Ole Miss, LSU, but nothing about Auburn. So it was tough. And there were, um, you know, I remember as I as I got older, I made friends with two other big Auburn fans in my town. And we are still friends to this day. One of them, she is actually my best friend. And the other one is a fireman. He's a, a hey, Zach, he's a firefighter in Hattiesburg. He brings his family up to Auburn once a year and, and we tailgate and hang out with him. But it's it's different. I I they're just as obsessive about their teams as we are. And I guess because I'm not there in it all the time, I don't see it as much. But one thing I will say about the Auburn family is it's, it's not a lie. It's true. And I never felt that way with any other school, with any other, um, you know, any other fan base or anything like that. And I just feel like uh, coming, if I had not known about Auburn and just came in 
blind, so to speak, as an older person, it would have, you know, not taken me by surprise, but I think I would have not believed it at first until I saw it in person. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's definitely uh, from an out another state looking in. It's a it's a different world, and it's but it's a good one. And uh, I, I don't think anybody has the spirit that we do, and for sure, no one has the family that we do. Absolutely. Well, one thing that I like that you pointed out there is you talked about growing up somewhere outside of Alabama, the outside of, we'll call it the Auburn bubble, but you connected with these two individuals that are now lifelong friends. And for me, you know, what I've learned, especially in my life, but especially doing the show is that, you know, Auburn is, yes, it is a place, but it's not necessarily that just that it is more so just a people. And when you find these people that you connect with and over a simple thing as the colors orange and blue, and you're in this other community where you're not necessarily in your own bubble that kind of strengthens obviously your bond together as individuals but in, in a collective sense is like we kind of were the the torch bearers for this area and I think honestly I kind of I envy you a little bit Kim because while I grew up in an Auburn bubble and that was just the way it was and I'm proud of that it's almost you have like this I don't know I'm trying to think of a good analogy here like gladiator like you went to war with each other <laughs> We're just, uh, you know, out there on an island in in Mississippi, you know, amongst all the the corn dogs and all the and all the. I was. I'm gonna get mean. I'm gonna get mean if I keep talking about other fan bases. No, 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 because I've got a story or two if you want to hear it about some corn dogs. Yeah, let's hear it. Well, some of them I really love, and some of them, of course, I'm close friends with, and will be to the day we all die. Not just because of you know, not nothing to do with football, but just because we're pals. But it does help. Uh, one guy in particular, when I worked for the county, I had a, a unmarked car, and you know, we kind of had things on it. So you, even though it screams police, you can tell. And I had an Auburn tag on the the front of mine, and and an Auburn uh, license plate holder. And uh, somebody came into my office one day and they said, oh, yeah, I think LSU had just beaten us again. This was back, you know, pre-Katrina. And uh, they said, I see you've turned to the other Tigers. I said, what are you talking about? They said, that LSU tag on your car. I said, what? And I went out there and I knew who did it immediately (laughs) when I thought uh, this friend had taken my Auburn tag off of my car and put an LSU tag uh, on the front and back. And he had also gone to my house. Uh, I guess that same weekend, I forget what year it was, but it was a season that they picked us to win the national or the SEC of the national championship. Like this is pre 2005. Now, remember, this is pre a lot of internet, uh, you know, people that pick stuff, whatever the word is. Um, And my Auburn flag was hanging upside down because we were zero and three. And, you know, the upside down flag is an international symbol of distress. Mm -hmm. So this LSU person hung my Auburn flag on my home and desecrated my car with LSU stuff. But I still love them. And that's part of what you got living in Mississippi. I had another friend um, when Mississippi State beat uh, us. She sent me six black roses with a sympathy card. Wow. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I proudly wore my, my Auburn stuff on Bourbon Street and down to New Orleans and, you know, all around Mississippi. And once in a while, I'd get a random war eagle. Most of the times, I got, you know, go dogs, hottie toddy, and whatever the LSU people say. Yeah, who knows what they so. say? I mean, there's so much, you know, voodoo <laughs> that goes into whatever they do. Who knows what it is? It's probably exactly. something really freaky that we don't even want to talk about. Uh, you know, that's something I always forget. You know, when we think of a state, 
uh, you know, you obviously brought up Mississippi, you know, first my, our mind goes to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, maybe it goes to Southern Miss, but in that area that you're from, you know, LSU is so prevalent. And I talked to a lot of people about who's Auburn's biggest rival in their eyes. And obviously your mind goes to Alabama, but you'd be surprised where I'm from uh, currently in Georgia. There are Auburn fans here that swear they would rather beat Georgia than Alabama. So my question is to you, is it that way for you with LSU and your history with them? Would you rather beat LSU than Georgia or Alabama? No, because actually I don't really mind LSU because I have, uh, I have Cajun roots, you know, my, you know, Louisiana roots with my dad, my grandfather, several of my relatives, and uh, none of them went to LSU, uh, but I really don't mind it because I know so many good LSU people, and then, of course, the food's great. Louisiana is just usually great in general, except for that corn dog smell around Baton Rouge. So, no, my, uh, my, I, I hate to use the word hatred, that's such a strong word, but my, um, disdain. Yes, disdain. Thank you. My disdain for Georgia and Alabama outweigh that, and I would rather beat them any day of the week versus LSU. Let's put it this way. I have some purple and yellow clothing in my closet. Kyle, there's not one piece of red clothing in my closet. Red, crimson, maroon, you name it, it is not in this house if I can help it. I won't even drink out of a red Solo cup if there's a different (laughs) option. I don't know that there actually is a different color out there, but I'm glad to see that you're so committed to the cause on that. Uh, and, you know, I, I've actually heard a lot of people kind of try to make their peace with the whole Auburn-LSU rivalry, and it is a rivalry. But, I mean, it, there's, there's just nothing outside of Auburn and Alabama and then Auburn and Georgia. I mean, the history there is just massive. And I think the Auburn-LSU rivalry is special and it's unique. And, obviously, we're, we're riding high with what just happened. Uh, in the series we're currently having our widest margin of victory ever that was so so sweet to see happen it was was great and and I will add one thing I've never had a bad time at LSU you know I've always had a great time people have been wonderful um you know fantastic I can honestly say I've never had a really good time in Tuscaloosa or Athens so Mm. that also you know that is also something I swore I'd never go to the last two again. And uh, thus far I have kept my promise to myself. Now LSU, when I get the chance, I do like to go down there because it affords us an opportunity to spend a couple extra days in New Orleans. And also if the Saints are playing that Sunday after our game on Saturday, I'm definitely going to be there. So you are just all in on that whole part of the country right there. The LSU friends, your New Orleans fan, you, you frequent down there a lot. Uh, so you are just a, a person of that part of the Southeast, which I love to hear perspectives on. Uh, and, uh, you know, here's, let me ask you this about Mississippi. We, I keep talking about that a lot, but I haven't got the chance to actually talk to someone who has a lot of experience in Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi State from an Auburn perspective. What's the dynamic there? Who's, who's the king? Because to me, it flips back and forth. But since you actually live there, who do you think is the more dominant program? Um, to me, it's Ole Miss just because of history wise. And plus, you know, I kind of lean towards them a little bit because daddy and granddaddy both played there. And then, of course, Archie, who is my all time, you know, favorite player ever besides my father. Uh, so I would say Ole Miss for me, but it comes and goes, you know, it's never been like Alabama where they are, or, or, you know, other t- Notre Dame, whoever that have these strong, strong runs for years and years, you know, and very rarely are Mississippi, Ole Miss and Mississippi State good at one time. They always, one of them stinks, one of them's decent, one of them's decent, one of them stinks, or they both suck. There's never a, you know, a happy <laughs> medium, but I, I would give Ole Miss 
the edge just I don't know I don't know if it's just because of traditions or what but you never know what's going to happen I mean you got Kiffin and Leach at, at them now so you know they may be about to in a couple of years start on some sort of run Mississippi Mississippi went from literally the bottom of college football to the most interesting state in college football in the matter of one season and I love every oh, bit of it definitely and then you got to look at Mississippi too we didn't have pro sports you know, we were an hour from New Orleans, so we had the Saints, uh, we had the Jazz, uh, but we had no baseball, uh, and no baseball in, in Louisiana. Uh, and we had pro football and pro basketball an hour away. And so that's kind of where, you know, your pro tendencies led to and your college tendencies, if you were from Mississippi, were Ole Miss, Southern, or um, uh, State. So yeah. I just luckily happened to be, you know, Auburn. So that's how that worked out for me. Yeah, I would say Alabama and Mississippi have some very similar uh, things in that happen. Obviously, very strong in the collegiate athletics when you're not directly connected to a pro sports team. Obviously, where you were down in that part of Mississippi, you had a little bit of a, a closerness to some professional sports. But I think there's probably some similarities uh, that you're describing uh, currently with that. Let's talk about um, – I'm just interested, law enforcement. And you've already okay. kind of mentioned some – some uh, camaraderie we'll call it that you had with uh, some other rivals that were on the force with you. But uh, what about, uh, obviously, you know, whatever you can share that you feel comfortable sharing. Do you have any, have any like run-ins with people that you were uh, assisting or uh, taking in that were fans of a certain team? Any, anything like that ever happened? You know, n- not really so much back, back when I was doing that full-time on the road or in invest, you know, on the road, not really in investigations. Now we would once in a while, but, down there, it seems like the uh, proclivity for people in Mississippi and other states to jump on the Alabama bandwagon, you know, <laughs> didn't start till they really started winning a lot. Now, back sure there were some dieharders back in the eighties, and and so with the Bear and all and seventies and eighties, and there were some diehard Bama fans then. But I never really had an issue, and it just wasn't ever that I could think of something that came up. I mean, I certainly didn't arrest someone just because they had a Georgia or an Alabama. Of course on. not. Yeah. Even though now, you know, when live PD was on, that used to be a, a drinking game we would play. If you saw a Bama hat, you took a shot <laughs> and that was about at least five or six per episode. And here's, so, the th- here's the thing is I bet you took more shots than they had teeth in their mouth too. That's oh, prob- definitely, definitely. But um, they said that, I mean, they never really ran into that back then. Now, I have had one person that I had arrested one time try to friend me on Facebook a couple of years ago, and he had an Alabama hat on, so mm. that could kind of fall into that category, I guess. Yeah, He was uh, summarily denied and blocked. <laughs> you definitely went the way I went, wanted you to go with that type of a, a story there. I was, <laughs> I was hoping I was going to get more of an Alabama lean with those type of situations you might be running and uh, I don't think any of us are shocked out there. Even if you're an Alabama fan, you're probably not shocked if you're hearing this. Um, I want to hear a little bit about uh, early childhood. You said your family had these Auburn ties. Um, what are some things that you remember that you learned from them or, or even just great games that they talked about or they experienced? Or what are the things that kind of started forming your Auburn roots within your family? Well, I guess, you know, just coming back from overseas in the summer, I didn't really, you know, remember too much about any of it until I got a little bit older. And, then, of course, you know, the bow over the top thing. And my dad took me to my first, um, let's see, Iron Bowl when we moved back from Singapore and gosh, this is 1985, like 40 years ago or what, well, 30 something years ago, 35 years ago. So uh, at the, you know, when it was at Legion Field and I just 
you know, remember that. But uh, not real. There's not a lot of big giant football fans in my family on my mom's side as much as there was on my father's side. So it's kind of just I kind of forged my own path with the whole getting into Auburn. I've always been a huge sports person anyway, mm-hmm. and you know, so it it just kind of fell fell that way for me. But not not a whole lot, unfortunately, that I can recall. Just kind of did it on you know, remember my own thing. Well, that's what an Auburn fan does is blazes their yeah. own trails. I love to hear that. But let's talk a little bit about we uh, maybe outside of football. And I know that's the yeah. king, you know, that's, that's the thing that we love to talk about. And it's what we say here on the network that while football drives the engine, you know, every, the car doesn't run without the rest of the parts, even outside of sports. But if you had to kind of pinpoint the other program that you pay attention to a lot, what would that be? Baseball. Uh, I, baseball is my second huge sports thing. Um, I also, I like, I love basketball. I really have always just kind of been indifferent as far as, uh, you know, basketball goes, except like I was a huge fan of the Celtics when I was younger, you know, Kevin McHale, Larry Bird, all that. But uh, I always liked Bruce Pearl. And so I was kind of eh, about Auburn basketball. I'd watch it if it was on or something. But when we hired Bruce Pearl, uh, I kind of went all in, you know, got season tickets and, and really got into basketball. And um, even now, you know, if something, you know, Bruce retires or something happens, we get a different coach, I would still support him because I've learned, you know, how good it can be and how much, you know, how much I do like it. But I would say baseball is probably right up, right next to football. Well, with you being a Yankees fan, I'm not surprised by that in the least. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of great history with Auburn baseball. We think of Hal Barrett a lot, obviously Bo Jackson, uh, Tim oh, Hudson. Yeah. if you had to pinpoint your favorite Auburn baseball player, who might that be? Oh, the big hurt, Frank Thomas. That's the big one out there. That's, I, you know, sadly, when we talk about the greats at Auburn, he's always like the third on the list. And I think we forget how great of an athlete he actually was. I mean, most people don't know that he came to Auburn to be a tight end or at least to, or to do that at the same time uh, and didn't realize that he potentially was going to be a two-sport athlete. Um, so yeah. he's an incredible, incredible athlete. And if I believe you mentioned with watching WGN, he played on the White Sox, I believe, at the time too. Is that correct? He did, and that kind of hurt my heart a little bit, kind of like when Bo went there, because you know I'm a I'm a, a big Cubs fan, and yeah. Uh, so, but because my my second favorite other player would would be David Ross, of course, who is now the new Cubs manager. It's just so, all or, lining yeah. up for you right now, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, the, the stars are aligning. So yeah, but, it's, it's uh, great yeah. to see him succeeding so well um, at, at the major league level as a player, obviously. And I, I'm very fond of David Ross as well, uh, but I think he's an awesome representative of Auburn. So the fact that oh, you get to, the fact that you get to cheer for him is pretty awesome. Uh, what do you think makes him such a great coach? Uh, I think because he's, you know, just, a, uh, you know, to be a good coach, you had to have been a player. You know, I think, I think you had to have played to understand the game. And sometimes you have great coaches that didn't play, but he just, I think he knows how to connect with the guys. He's had his, he's had his big moments. He's had his small moments. He had to work to get where he, where he is. Uh, even, you know, playing when he was play, in the show, so to speak, he was playing. Uh, I just think that's his personality just makes for a, a, a great leader and the guys want to follow him. Yeah. I think that's a, another 
you know, I'm not trying to like pigeonhole what an Auburn person is, but I think his story kind of fits that where he wasn't the biggest, the best out there, but he found yeah. a way to be the biggest and the best in a certain area. And that a lot of that is motivation being the go-to guy in certain situations. Uh, it's, it's a lot of that, you know, we call it the, the blue collar mentality. You, we forget, we get forgotten a lot, but at the moment when you need us, we're there. And I think that's a lot that goes with the Auburn story. If I'm making a kind of a roundabout way, kind of get back to another part of your story. You talked a lot about your family being in the oil industry. And, in, you know, I don't know if this is a bit of a step out here, but I would consider that a blue collar role. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And do you and think my- that that kind of fed into your connection with Auburn at all? Um, I, Maybe. I don't know. My dad was an engineer. So, you know, he was the one designing and, and he designed, actually designed the world's largest jack-up oil rig back in the 70s. So he wasn't really, you know, he wasn't a roughneck and all that stuff. But my family in, in Opelika, you know, they worked in the mills and, you know, I had an uncle that was a police officer and, and uh, you know, definitely blue collar job. So, yeah, I, I think so, too. Plus, you know, um, Auburn people are just down to earth people. It doesn't matter. You know, I say the majority of them, whether they're... Um, you know, buying a ticket to go in one game that they, they only get to go one, one time a year to people all the way up to the, like the Talons and the Oak Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody's just, it's just, everybody's happy to be there. Happy to be there and happy to be with with each other. And there's no better place to come together than on Auburn's campus. So Kim, take me, you're, imagine I was not an Auburn fan and okay. you're going to take me around campus. Oh my. Tell me, okay. like, just briefly, where are you taking me and why? Okay. Obviously, I'm going to take you to the iconic spots around campus. The um, uh, Sanford Hall, the Clock Tower, uh, all down around, uh, I guess downtown technically is a campus, but definitely walk around downtown. Toomer's Corner, uh, the older, like, the older parts, the older uh, buildings, uh, the green space with the the, the stadium, uh, walk around the stadium and show you the, all the, the uh, statues and tell you the story behind each one, uh, show you the, the, the baseball, go up to the fourth floor of the parking deck, show you where we watch the baseball games from, sometimes if we're not inside, uh, the football stadium, obviously, athletics, uh, just anywhere. The, the whole campus is beautiful. The Arboretum. Mm. It's just, you know, take you for a walk through the Arboretum, maybe, you know, take some lunch in there and uh, and just show you around the iconic uh, spots of campus that, that I love. Uh, we uh, we used to tailgate on Sanford Lawn, but since we've, you know, kind of moved over to a, a little uh, area away from this, kind of closer to the stadium, I don't get over there as much as I'd like to. Uh, but those are definitely the spots I would show you know, on campus that I would show everybody kind of tell stories, you know, based on each one, go to um, the office next to Sanford hall. I can't think of the name of it, but it has the, the iconic, the original Eagles that mm-hmm. were at Tumor's corner. Uh, you know, the arena, I, I wish the big, the Eagle was still outside the old arena where, you know, people could see it. Yep. Uh, but but you know, you to, find that now, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a softball so, field. Yeah. Softball fields. Yeah. And uh, uh, take them, you know, t- just take them to all the, you know, the Red Barn. I think that's a great place, you know, and uh, take them to all the spots and just show them how we do things. Yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of sum it up is just to take them to obviously the the obvious thing, Sanford Hall, but even those little smaller things. And I love that you brought up the Arboretum. Uh, being a nature guy, I actually work in the environmental industry. 
as my day job, and I loved that Arboretum. I think that's the thing about Auburn that, as I get older, continues to make it easier for me to sell it to people is, yeah, I can show you this giant arena over here, this giant stadium, or even this giant tower on campus. But let me take you over here to this you know, little quaint section, the Arboretum, where obviously it's more academic in nature. It's where a lot of the classes will do some of their, their work, botanies and such of that. But it's just a special little place over there by the president's mansion. And yeah. you're right. I don't know why I've never thought to go have lunch over there. That's a brilliant move, Kim. Oh, it's great. And it's just beautiful. And depending on what season you go in, you know, there's always something new to see. And, and if you, if you walk over there, you can walk around like, uh, uh, gosh, there's a can't think of that. Uh, Lem Morrison, you know, see where they do the, a lot of the growing from the eggs, you know, the ag stuff, testing out corn and all that, unless they've built something there since the last time I was down that road. Hey, Auburn fans. I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2Cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. So how are you feeling with all the changes that are happening in Auburn in this current era? We're seeing probably the biggest growth boom that's happened in, in I feel comfortable to say quite some time in the, in the small little quaint town. Where do you kind of fit into that? Are, are you happy about the progress or more a little bit disappointed to kind of see some of the old go away? Where, where do you fit into that scenario? I'm definitely torn with seeing some of the old go away, you know, tearing down parts of down old, you know, classic downtown. I understand the need for growth and the, uh, the need for revenue. That's just, you know, a necessary thing that's got to happen. But I hate when it comes at the cost of stuff that is not uh, either doesn't need, you know, doesn't need to be torn down or could still be viable to people and has a lot of great memories. Um, I, I don't like, you know, places I used to sit and have a meal and, maybe a drink with friends and watch the sunset and see the, you know, the beautiful Auburn sky. And now I look up and I see somebody's apartment, you know, 10 floors up. That's just not, uh, yeah, not, not really what, what I like. And then of course, parking is a nightmare. Uh Thankfully, most places you can, you know, you can walk to if you have a while to get there, but yeah, I'm torn. Like I said, I understand it, but I don't, I don't necessarily like it so much. And I think some of the things that they've, they've done away with it's just a shame and I think one day people are gonna 
you know, I hate it for the people that are coming in now and haven't seen it like it was. You know, so what's uh, the what's the one like whether on campus, off campus, a little bit further into town? What's the one thing that they get rid of it that you're going to chain yourself to? Hypothetically, not to say that you'd ever do this, but hypothetically, Kim's going to like lay herself down and say, "You have to run over me to take this down." Oh, it would have been the supper club, but I mean that's already gone. <laughs> so you know, we went the last night. I was there the last night. No, it was sad. Um. I guess just right, you know, right there, the old downtown where Quixote's was and all that stuff. I mean, I remember back in the, the day when I lived in Mississippi, sometimes we'd just up and, and decide on a hair to get up early Saturday morning and drive to Auburn to a game, you know, five hour drive. And then we could always go right there to that hotel, which you can't think of the old hotel that's gone now. Uh, we would go there and, you know, get a cheap room spend the night get up come home Sunday we can't do that now you know and the places like that it's just kind of it's the overselling I think of things that makes me sad Uh, right now honestly I can't think of anything that they haven't already torn down that I wouldn't uh, I would chain myself to uh, but emotionally uh, the supper club was was rough it was a rough one so okay you got to tell me I was there while Supper Club was still there. I never went to it. I just didn't never had a, a urge to. What made yeah. that place so great? Because when I drive by and I see the crowds out of it at night coming into town, I'm like, what's it looked a little bit run down. And I know that there are people screaming at me now, listen to this, Kyle, you don't understand. So help me understand the greatness of what was the Supper Club. <laughs> well, you know, back in our you know, back in our day, I sound like an old person, which I guess technically I am. But uh they uh it was just a great place we had a lot of good you know a lot of good times with friends there they had you know great bands and just uh uh, you know you know it used to be a brothel did you know that i vaguely remember that and now that you're saying that now another reason why i probably never (laughs) (laughs) that's what i've heard so back i mean a long time ago but uh it just was a a lot of fun and, and you know back when you could go out and enjoy a night out and have fun and uh you know, they stayed open late. They had, you know, the, the bus that would, the drunk bus that would take you home and all that stuff. And we just always had a good time. It was now just, it's, it was, it's called the supper club. Was there any eating that actually went on there? Was, was there any food partake there? I think back in the day, it used to be a, um, a restaurant and that's where it came from. It was a, like a, it was a, I want to say it was a steakhouse like back in the day. And the reason they called it a club is because they had to sell in order to get it out. Now I may be wrong. Um, and I can't Google it cause I'm on my iPad and my phone's in the other room. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think from what I recall hearing and this could be wrong. Uh, it was, it was just like a steakhouse or a place and they had to get a, to, to, in order to get an alcohol license, they had to sell memberships to people. And that's why they called it a club. You know, the supper club part was because they had steaks and then, you know, certain states, I think even Georgia up until recently, you know, if you wanted to have a private a place open on Sunday and sell alcohol in some places, you had to make it a club and sell memberships. Hmm. I know the floor of Bama used to do that. So. Well, now I know the history and the reason why it may, and I, I'm sure that I probably heard that story before, but I always like to hear it from the eyes of someone that it was, that was fond of it because honestly, I just drove past it every time and I was like, what is the big deal over there? Oh, <laughs> uh, it just used to be fun. Like I said, they had a slush bus. The slush bus was, you know, would take in. It was just, just a lot of fun. 
just a lot yeah. of good memories and stuff like that. And I guess just one of the places that was iconic when I was actually, because I was actually at Auburn for a little bit and then ended up going back to Mississippi. But um, it was just one of the places when we were in, in town or, or something, just someplace fun to go. Well, everybody's got those special things and memories that they, we fall back to. And uh, if it's special to you, then it's special to the Auburn story. Let's circle back a little bit and maybe talk a little bit more about sports. And we mentioned a lot the bow over the top game. But in your mind, for you, in any sport, what's some other moments in games that Kim goes to when she thinks of the greatness of Auburn? Oh, gosh, the first Iron Bowl at Auburn. Mm. You know, 89, I was 20 years old. Uh, my dad's insurance man got us tickets and uh, we went to that and it was amazing. The uh, LSU game where the uh, Warren caught on fire. We were, I was sitting in 102 in the upper deck. So the fire was behind us. And I remember the announcer saying something about if you have vehicles or cars parked, you know, in near here, you need to go remove them. And nobody was leaving. And the fire was raging on, and you could smell the smoke from here, the crackling, and the game was still playing. It was, it was surreal. Um, there was another game. I don't even remember what it was. There was a referee, and a, there was a fumble. And you know how they, you know, before everybody wore their little uh, headsets or whatever, before we had the Jumbotron, you could pretty much hear the referees over the PA calling out the play. And the man said, the ball come a loose on the 15 yard line. And for years, myself and all my friends, if we dropped something, we'd say it come a loose. And that <laughs> happened because of an Auburn game. But those games, then of course, I mean, how can you not mention uh, the Iron Bowl, um, the Camback, uh, the national championship in 2010 uh, with, with Lutzi? Um, I'd rather not mention the game in 2013 in California. That's a little painful for, for all Yeah, we don't us. have to talk about that. Don't do yeah. that to yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, just any – and then even last year's Iron Bowl was just amazing because, you know, as usual, no one ever gives us a chance. And then, you know, that freak thing happening with the extra guy on the field, and it was like, surprise, we won. Just was it a freak games. thing, though, or was it brilliant by Gus Malzahn? Well, I mean, obviously, obviously it was brilliant. But, hey, I don't know. All I know is, thank goodness it happened. And gee whiz, I hope something like that happens Saturday. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you yeah. never can tell in the Iron Bowl. Uh, yeah, that's the, what I never know. Yeah. The the people that start prognosticating and predicting what's going to happen, I just immediately say, so what you just said, it's not going to happen. It's actually going to happen the opposite way. And it may actually be in the opposite way, not in our favor, but that's just how crazy this rivalry is. And it's literally one of those, no matter how good the team is on either side, you put all that aside and you just play the game and see what happens because you just you never know. One second is, can make the difference. Right, and I, I love all these talking heads, you know, on the, the national sports media that are like, oh, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. You know, like you said, you just never know, and it never, you know, I hate to, to, to cliche it because it's been used to death, but it all, you know, it may come down to the last second again. You just never can tell. I would not want to be a, a, a sports better for this game because, you know, they've got to be nervous too. But it just is – it's just one of those things you just never can tell. I want to talk really briefly again about the 1989 first Iron Bowl at Auburn because to me, obviously that's fresh in our minds right now with uh, Pat Dye not pa passing away not too long ago. Yeah. To me, when I hear people talk about this, especially recently, recently that was almost like um, 
trying to think of a very appropriate way to to phrase it um just one of those experiences that you just thought you'd never see in your lifetime and the fact that you were there i'm super jealous of because i've got my dad's old like i, I think it was a blown up ticket of the first and i'll be rolling out the red carpet type of thing and the score on it and you know to me what was i just got to know what was that like being at the first iron bowl in auburn it was, alabama it was just incredible and i can't even believe i got to go um, because I had been to Iron Bowls uh, in in, in um, Birmingham at Legion Field, you know, I'd been to several in years past. And to be honest, I really don't remember much about any of those, but I remember just all kinds of things about about the Iron Bowl in '89. Just the atmosphere, just the excitement of everybody, and all you know, because it was finally happening. And um, you know, we were almost late because the traffic was so you know incredibly wild, and and um, it just. I remember that and just, just the excitement and the, the joy when, you know, of, of having them, having them there, which, you know, you don't get to say that very often. And then the joy of beating them. And it just was, you know, it was a once in a lifetime thing. It was kind of like, um, you know, I don't know what even what to compare it to. It's just, you had to, it's one of those things you like Jimmy Buffett says, you had to be there to, to know what it felt like, but it was, it was great. It's still one of the, the greatest sporting uh, event, in-person experiences. One of the greatest of my life. Let me see if I can make a make comparison here, and I don't need your help on this. Were you at the kick six? Yes. And were you there like the day before? Did you come in on game day? Uh, no, I was there. I usually come in uh, on Thursday nights now because of Tiger Talk being on Thursday nights. So I'm there Thursday through Sunday when I come in for game weekend. So that I was there as well the night before uh, Friday night and got in with a, not to make this about me or anything, but like we yeah. actually camped out outside the stadium that night. I oh, okay. remember what you just described about 89, the electricity, not just on game day, but the weekend there, there was just this buzz and every, no one gave Auburn a chance, even though we were ranked in the top five, I believe at that point, I think we were either five or four or something. They were number one, obviously. And, I felt what you described as electricity. Where does does that compare at all to the '89 game, or is that still not doing it justice? Uh, it I don't know. It kind of it kind of did because that year, you know, was such a fluke for us. You know, that coming off of that god awful 2012 three and nine <laughs> season, you know, and then going undefeated up to that point, and just the excitement of that, and uh, just how good we were. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of 2010. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was right up there and, okay. you know, just based on memory, I don't know, maybe it's cause I was 20 years old and I was just way more excited, but that I'd say the iron bowl for me, the 89 was something, but once we won the 2013 iron bowl, I thought that the Georgia game the week before, uh, <laughs> was bend all be all now yeah. the kick six was just, just because it's just such a, you know, it was one of those moments you're like, is this really happening? The greatest play, the greatest game, the greatest rivalry in the greatest oh, yeah. sport happened on our field for our guys. And that's, that's oh, yeah. oh, totally. so special. Yeah. So special. And then there's just a high, you know, afterwards, just the, the people flooding the field. And, you know, for my phone, you know, died, you know, <laughs> before the game was even over. And when I got it charged back up, I can't tell you the number of people from everywhere the same some I hadn't heard from they're just blowing up my phone congratulations so it was crazy and of course you know in the days and 
weeks to come, all the, you know, uh, the stuff that the, the shows, the, the clips, the stuff like that. And then of course, you know, every year we get to relive it because they keep showing all the clips. And it'll never so, get old. It just never gets old. It's one of those things that just gets better with time. Definitely. How about this, Kim? We have a little questionnaire Auburn business to take care of. However, though, one of the things that I know about you, Kim, is that you're a big fan of Tiger Talk going into town earlier uh, in the week to be there and be part of it. And you might have a propensity to be able to get that first question in. Uh, so how, how did you get that honor? Uh, I'm really not sure how it happened. I guess it was kind of organic. Um, I was uh, Tiger Talk at one time was on a Monday. And uh, they switched it. It was on Thursday, then it was on Monday, then they switched it back to Thursday. And uh, I, I'm not sure. I think Rod just, um, I asked the first question once or twice, and then it just be kind, of, kind of became a thing. Uh, and Herb, uh, that uh, Dr. Herb that sits next to me usually uh, when we're at Baumhauer's for Tiger Talk, he gets the second question usually. And uh, <laughs> when it's in the studio, I would email it in and, it's just, I've just somehow for the last uh, five or six seasons been lucky enough uh, that they let me have the first question. And it's tough coming up with those questions, though. Whew. I was about to ask, because so now you're basically asked to perform every single time. So if you ask, <laughs> if you start us off wrong, Kim, then we're, we, I think we can honestly blame you if we lose, because you got to <laughs> start it off on the right foot. Well, you know... I would I would often go up and run them by Rod and now Andy just to say, hey, this is my question. You know, what do you think? Because I always try to ask something that they can lead into something else with. Right. Sometimes I try to make it offensive oriented since Gus is, you know, offensive guy. Sometimes I make it defensive and sometimes I try and throw a curveball in there. But it's tough because, you know, he has the he has the presser after the game and then he has the the Tuesday press conference that he has the SDC coaches conference and all these questions. And, you know, he answers most of them. So trying to come up with one is, is tough. And I actually kind of have to do a little research if one just doesn't fly off the top of my head. So I enjoy it though. I, I think it's great. And I love the people at Auburn sports network. You know, uh, they're all great. Rod was just fantastic. I just loved him to death. And I love Andy and uh, Brad law and, all the folks that work there just really took me in and made me part of the, the Tiger Talk family, and, and I really enjoy it, and I'm thankful for that. The Auburn family is a collective, but within that are the even more special, smaller little units and families that seem to come together, whether that's the, you know, the Auburn Sports Network uh, little family and then their collective outside of that with the people that regularly attend like you. And then you've got stories that go beyond that. You know, everybody's got a unique story. If I met this person here, you met some people in a small place in, in Mississippi and you're now lifelong friends. And I right. think that's the beauty of the Auburn story is that we find each other and we latch on to each other. And I think that's probably what makes the Auburn family so special. Exactly. There's an Auburn bar in New York City. And um, normally every summer I go to New York, spend about a week there. Didn't make it this year. Uh, try and catch some Yankees games and stuff. And there's a St. St. Pat's bar is a, the Auburn bar in New York. And I know several people there and it's, it's amazing how you'll just be walking down the street with an Auburn shirt or something on it here, a war Eagle there, or like uh, I was going to Costa Rica several years ago and had an Auburn shirt on in the airport in San Jose and got a war Eagle at the baggage claim. It's, you know, it's nuts. We're everywhere. We're, we're I would say we're like cockroaches, but I usually compare, use that for, comparison to Alabama fans so you know we're like stars 
I like it. I, I like the better comparison there. I'm hoping yeah. that we don't come across the cockroaches, but that does remind me, I should ask you, you, you mentioned war Eagle moments. Did you ever have one in Singapore? No. Um, you know, back then uh, we didn't have all the branded clothing and all that kind of stuff we do now. I do have an old picture somewhere of me in an Auburn shirt there, but no, I don't ever recall that. It was, uh, the oil business is, is rife with Texans and Louisiana people. And, uh, so there was a lot of Longhorns, a lot of Aggies, uh, a lot of tigers and so uh a lot of okies oklahoma folks so not a whole lot of uh auburn people over there to kind of uh share our joy with well the good thing is is that you would have been a star amongst a bunch of cockroaches even though they were <laughs> alabama fans that's right well that's great you've had a very unique story here and it's still going to be continuing but before we close out the episode tonight we got to talk through the not so rapid fire rapid fire Auburn questions. I have 12 of these for you, Kim, that I want to run through this or that type of questions or pick your favorite this and feel free to explain your answer. If you feel like it needs explained. some people seem to think that it does, uh, but we'll start right here with question number one, orange or blue. Blue. Any particular reason why? No, okay. I just like it better. That's, hey, that's <laughs> fine. Blue Cubs, blue Yankees, blue Auburn. I had a feeling that if we if I pushed you enough, I thought I could get Yankees back out of you. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Question two: Pick your side, Aubie or War Eagle? Oh, oh Aubie. He's you know Aubie's so soft and gives great hugs. <laughs> you know I haven't think I've had somebody reference the hugs as the reason why they picked Aubie, but hey, it works. And you're right; he is <laughs> he is it's, the best hugger. It's not a game weekend without an Aubie hug. Of course, it's not. Question three, your favorite part of the Auburn fight song. So a favorite word, a favorite phrase. But when you think of the Auburn fight song, you think of this part of it. Hmm. Give them hell, give them hell, stand up and yell. Hey, I like that part. No one's picked that one yet. That's a good one. <laughs> Question four, might be an easy one, maybe not. Your favorite Auburn athletics program. Football. Okay. <laughs> Question five, your favorite Auburn athlete. Oh, current or, or uh, previous? You, if you, you could only pick oh. one Auburn athlete at all time oh. so far. Hmm. Wow. Hurt some feelings on this one, aren't you? Yeah, see, I'm trying to be diplomatic here in case I ever run for office. Uh, I, could, I, could, uh, I could say Bo, even though he is one of my favorites, but uh, oh, heck, who am I kidding? Bo Jackson. I knew you were gonna work your way back to that one. I was just gonna, I was sitting here timing to see how long it took you to get back to that one. <laughs> Try not to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But no, <laughs> Bo for sure. And then uh, there's so many though it's hard to pick. Well, I'm gonna force you to be less de- diplomatic even even more right. now. Number six, your favorite Auburn coach. Oh, gee, I'm sure that's not difficult. Gus. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Gus Malzahn. What's your favorite thing about Coach Malzahn? I just really, you know, I, I was when he, I liked him when he was here as our offensive coordinator. Um, and, and when he came back, I honestly, my favorite thing about Gus is Christy. I just love her. She's just awesome. So, uh, she and she's one of my favorite people, but no, I just like Gus. I think he, um, I know he catches a lot of flack and all this, but he's, a, he's a good guy. He, he really cares about the players mm-hmm. and about the, the kind of people they're going to be, but also, the kind of people they're going to be once they leave Auburn off right. the field. He cares about that. And, you know, he's not, he's not, which I know it's all about winning, but 
he wants to make sure that those young men who are in his charge um, through the football program are, are taken care of and leave Auburn as Auburn men and that can contribute to, to society and come back to Auburn in the years, you know, to come and show people, you know, show others just how, you know, they've turned out. Because, you know, they, they do come back and especially you'll see a lot of them on football weekends at the luncheons and stuff. And uh, they all say, say things that Gus's former players say that all of them do. But I think that's part of it, his character. Mm-hmm. And plus, Gus is kind of quiet, and everybody, you know, he does say, uh, answer a lot of the same questions the same way. But he's also got a wickedly funny sense of humor, and um, he's just a, a good guy. That's starting to come out more as he's been here longer, and I'm starting to love it, especially just some of his you, – you got to catch him really closely, some of his little backhanded comments that I think it, a lot of people miss. And they're not meant mean, but it's just like you said, he, he's got a sense of humor that's slowly starting to come out as he gets a little bit more tenured and probably a little bit more confident. Oh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, last year there was a few times – he said a few things and I was calling him salty Gus and uh, I wish he would show that side of his personality more. Hopefully we'll get to see that many more years and we'll get many more Gus moments to talk about. Mm-hmm. Question seven, your favorite Auburn person that is not an athletics person. So this can be anything from a friend, a celebrity, a professor you met at Auburn while you, you know, when you were visiting or whatever, but it, if I think say my favorite Auburn person outside of sports, who is that? All of my Auburn friends. Now I'm going to push you to pick one. I'm going to force you to not be <laughs> diplomatic now. <laughs> Outside of sports? Like they are not, mm. they are directly not connected to the team as in like a coach, a player, athletic director. Oh gosh. I have so many friends. Don't think of it as a, as favorite. Think of it as this is the person. I want it to be a mind. popularity contest. <laughs> oh, let's see. Probably my friend, Sean. Purvis. She lives in Mississippi. And uh, she's one of the ones that I have since she moved there. She's from Mobile, graduated from Auburn. Since when I met her, we've been friends ever since. And this was decades ago. So uh, Sean Purvis. Okay. Question eight, your favorite Auburn building. Oh, oh, does the stadium count as a building? It does. Uh, I guess, I guess the athletics complex. (laughs) You know what, I'm actually, knowing what I know about you, I am not surprised by that in the least. (laughs) And I mean that in a good way, because I feel like that's where I always see you. Yeah, pretty much. And I said if I ever won the Powerball, that I would, you know, build them, even though they're getting a new football complex, I would have built them one and had like my own office there. (laughs) Hey, you got to figure out a way to make it happen. Make that dream happen any way you can. Hey, I'm giving Mississippi as much, uh, and Georgia, as much lottery ticket money as I can. So maybe one day it'll happen. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Auburn fans are lucky, but, uh, you know, that might be a little bit of a stretch. But we'll see. Just remember us little people when you break it big at the lottery. Got to dream big, buddy. (laughs) Question nine, your favorite Auburn place to eat, past or present? Oh, whoa, whoa. Mm. I'd say Little Italy. Ooh, I don't think we've had a little Italy yet. I do love me a good slice from there. I'm a yeah, pizza person late night after a game. Now, if you know, if you want to get a little fancy, I love Hamilton's too. That's one of my hangouts. But I, I gotta say, just for go grab and go is gonna be literally. 
it's one of those Definitely. awesome places that I think a lot of people forget about because it's obviously tucked away over there in you know the middle of downtown, and everybody thinks of Mama Goldberg's. They think of whatever restaurants at the corner of wherever you know a vault and all that stuff used to be. Yeah, everybody yeah. thinks of Blue Bagel, Mellow Mushroom, Cheeburger, Cheeburger, but Little Italy. That's a good one right Little there. Little Italy, man. I mean, you can't go wrong with a slice of pizza or a calzone and some cold beer. Mm. Question ten. Your favorite Auburn tradition. So this can be sports, non-sports, a weird personal tradition that you have for Auburn, but it, this is your favorite Auburn tradition. Hmm. I say also probably going to – everybody else has said this too. Probably I love it when the clock tower at Stanford plays War Eagle. That's the first person who's actually said that. You are the first to say that, and that's awesome. I, I, love, I love that. I mean, the eagle flight is iconic. I love tiger walk. But w- when you're – especially when you're walking, it's real quiet, or, you know, it's not a football weekend, and I'm walking the dog or, you know, just downtown or anywhere in general, and you, I hear that. I just It always just makes me smile and, and, you know, just brings me a little joy when I hear those those bells. Get a little emotional right now, just thinking about oh, it. Oh, yeah, get, get a little messy out. <laughs> Question 11, we're in the home stretch. Okay. Your favorite Auburn memory? Oh, wow. Um, my late husband uh, and, and I's first, first game. That would have to be, that would have to be uh, my favorite. Would you mind sharing with what, what the first game was, if you remember? Sure, it was... It was 99 or 2000, whenever we played Mississippi State, because we were friends, you know, for a long time. And I still lived in Mississippi. And, but that was the first game that, that uh, I met him. And uh, we were, he was friends with some mutual friends. And so I just – I remember that. We had a great time and, you know, took our first picture, you know, together. So it was uh, – that was my favorite Auburn memory. You know, we often think about – the when we think of the favorite moment question everybody's mind first goes to of course kick six but it's not surprising me how often if not more often than not somebody goes to a story like yours it's not so much about those big moments but it's about those little big moments where you are connected with someone within the Auburn family and that's what I think kind of most people kind of go back to and why it makes it so special I agree and can I can I expand on that for just a second please do especially with this year um you know I love football I love football weekends I love baseball weekends I just love you know sports and being with my people uh but I have uh, a big a nice big group of friends in Auburn that uh we tailgate together and we have a we have some you know they have condos there on stadium on Ann Street right across from the stadium and we usually get together on Fridays and, and hang out and cook. Saturdays we always have a meal either before or after the game. Everybody, you know, pitches in. We have a we have a big crowd. We celebrate, you know, ups and downs, birthdays, uh, anniversaries, births, deaths. We've we've been together a long time, and I miss football. I miss being in the stadium. I miss Tiger Walk and everything. But I miss being with those people more than any any of that combined just just spending time with them and sitting around talking or standing on the balcony yelling war eagle at people going by and you know watching auburn watching the world of an auburn week football weekend go by i really do miss that and that's been the worst part of this whole covid thing with this in regards to football season it, it's just that mm-hmm. and i think that 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 is the hardest part and that is the best part 
like when I said, you know, meeting my husband, going to games with him, building an Auburn traditions with him, and then all these other people. I think that's what I'm. That's that's what makes it so special for me. Football and baseball and and everything that goes on around the, the athletic events are just the icing on the cake to the great people that I have met and have in my life because of Auburn. Well said. Uh, I don't think we've had that summed up quite so well about the time that we're currently in. Continues to go back to the same phrase I always use: Auburn is not a place; it is a people, and oh. uh, that is very very well done there. That was that was beautiful. That would make a great t-shirt. I think you should make one. I'd probably buy it from you. <laughs> hey, I've made, I've made t-shirts before. <laughs> <laughs> question 12, your final question. Describe Auburn to me in one word other than family. Oh. I'm going to take that one away from you. Hmm, that's two words. Let's see. <laughs> I, I, I would accept two words. I can, as long as it's not like an extended phrase. No, I got a word. Okay. Soul. Ooh. Auburn doesn't just have a heartbeat, it has a soul. And mm. uh yeah, that's it has a soul. It's just so Auburn Auburn soul. I gotta tell you, Kim, uh we talked a lot about some stuff here that's just great, obviously sports stuff and stuff, but you have brought it home here in these last two questions with what you just <laughs> said about obviously a COVID nineteen era where we're all separated from each other, and then you're gonna drop a soul bomb on me for the last question. My goodness. Well, just, I'm just full of surprises, man. I, who are you telling? <laughs> I had no clue that you were, you know, you were had a history in law enforcement, that <laughs> you spent a little time in Texas, and then you were over in Singapore, and then you you dropped in somewhere that you, you visited Costa Rica as well, and had a war eagle moment down there. Uh, <laughs> here I am sitting in another episode where I'm like, I've heard everything, I've heard every Auburn story, and the reason I continue to do this series is because of people like you, because. Everybody's Auburn story is different and unique, and it's always special to hear your perspectives. So, Kim, if you wanted to have any last words or anything you'd like to share with your Auburn family as we close out your episode, uh, I'll give you the floor. Uh, I just I appreciate this so much, Kyle. I, I've enjoyed your show in the past. You have some really great people, and I'm honored to be amongst them. And uh, I hope everybody has a safe and uh, socially distant Thanksgiving as well as you can and holiday season and uh, when we all get back to normal uh, as it were if it'll ever be normal again uh, enjoy the times in Auburn enjoy the times with your people and cherish them and make the most of them because that's really you know it sounds cliche but that's what it's all about I think we've all realized it this year and uh, you know show up and show out and support your Tigers whether it's on the football field the, the baseball field or the basketball court, because basketball season does start tomorrow. And uh, I appreciate all of my Auburn family, and I, I love you guys, and War Eagle, always. I'm going to need you to set up a ginormous group hug with Avi once this is all over on Sanford Lawn. Can you coordinate that for me? I, I do believe I can get that going. That is, that's what I'm talking about, and I believe you are the person to get that done. So this is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's been great to learn about your story, Kim. Thank you so much for joining me. And we will wrap up here on episode 19 of Auburn Roots. Thank you for listening, everyone. War Eagle. <laughs>